Hi friends, I'm Micah Riesenweber. I'm one of the pastors here at the Vine Church in Pasco, Washington. And thanks for joining me here today. As always, we're going to take time to dig into scripture today. Sarah and I are working right now on uh, finalizing our next sermon series. So we had a couple weeks here that we just get to do uh, topical studies or look into some things of interest. This last week I was sitting out in the community garden here at the church while I was contemplating and praying and um, and I was struck by the growth taking place around me. So as some of you know, we bought this building about a year ago, uh, still in the middle of the COVID pandemic, and uh, we opened slowly. Um, last season, last year, uh, we were unable to get started on the garden as we were just moving in as it was time to start planting. Well, this garden has been in disrepair for quite a number of years. We're not even sure how many years it's been unused, but it is massive. It is 20 four-foot by eight-foot beds. There is a ton of growing space in there, and it had been overrun by weeds for many, many years. So as you can imagine, uh, wanting to see something grow as opposed to allowing it to go to weeds again, we had a huge task to undertake. Uh, we we're fortunate to have a couple people willing to help organize, and then a number of others stepped in. Thank you if you were one of those people involved in that process. We had to go through and pull out all the weeds. We had to dig trenches to get proper uh, irrigation and water to each of the individual beds, install valves and timer systems, and all of these sorts of things to get the drip system to work properly. We laid ground cloth in between all of the beds and on most of the beds that uh, that are growing things conducive to having the ground cloth on there. Um, we had to bring in new soil, fresh soil, to ensure the plants would grow well, and that's all just the groundwork. Then it's time to start actually planting and putting up the cages for tomatoes and all the things that we had to do. It has been a huge undertaking, but we understood going into it. If we want to see something grow in this space, it's going to take a lot of work. Here's the interesting thing as I sat in the garden this week looking at these beautiful plants and vegetables that are just starting to produce. I was recognizing that in my spiritual life, I don't always take the intentional steps or engage in the ways that would produce growth in my life. What I wanted to ask us today is, When's the last time you considered the importance of cultivating soil in your own life or engaging in things that would produce growth in your spiritual journey, in your walk with Jesus, that would help us to become um, more dependent upon the Holy Spirit, to lean into and listen carefully to God's guidance in our lives? All of these things kind of go without asking or, or without us paying much attention to in our lives in some seasons. You know, the reality is, is for anything to grow, it takes effort and it takes concern. Now we're going to learn today that God is the one that produces growth, but we're also going to explore the role that we play in engaging the journey of growth in our spiritual journeys. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at a number of passages today. Some of those dealing with my individual life. What does it look like for me to grow in my individual life? And then some of them are more corporate conversation as we consider what does growth look like or, or what is the goal of the church and what are we living into growing into as a church. So let's go ahead and dive in today. We're going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 
And uh, we're going to be in verses 5 through 8, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, here's what's happening in the church in Corinth as this letter is being written to them. There's division uh, in the church over uh, certain leaders. People are more focused on the celebrity leaders in the church than in Jesus. And so Paul's going to write to correct that saying, hold on, our eyes ought to be fixed on Jesus. So here's here's uh, here's what Paul responds, kind of a metas- metaphor describing the leaders' roles uh, in, in that church. What, after all, is Apollos, one of those leaders, and what is Paul? He's speaking of himself. Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seeds, Paul speaking, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither one, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. There's a number of things to note in here. Paul takes a very humble perspective. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the idea of celebrity pastors in the church today. Um, I listened to uh, a podcast recently in the past year, uh, the rise and fall of, of Mars Hills. And it was one of a number of churches that have been built upon celebrity and uh, just this gravitas towards an individual. Uh, and it, it broke down and caused incredible hurt and, and crumbled um, quicker than it had, had grown into a mega church. It's a tragic story. And Paul is speaking to the first century church already seeing those exact things taking place, uh, celebrity becoming central instead of Jesus, people claiming, yeah, but it was it was Paul who baptized me, so I have some sort of uh, superiority or greater opportunity than another because that, after all, was Paul. And so Paul is speaking back against that, saying it's not about us. It's not about the leaders. The church must be about Jesus. And as he's explaining it, he draws upon this metaphor of growth, this idea of planting things that grow. So he describes Apollos as the one who planted a seed, or I'm sorry, himself as one who planted a seed, and Apollos as one who watered it, natural steps in seeing a plant grow. But he says, ultimately, it is God who makes things grow. So if God grows people, and if today we ask this question of what am I growing into, like how am I developing and walking in my spiritual journey, if God is the one that makes it grow, what role do we play? How do we engage in that process, or do we? Maybe it's just entirely passive and we wait. In um, John chapter 15, verse 5, this is the verse that we named the church the vine out of, Jesus says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I love this passage. As we were considering church planting in the very beginning of this journey, before we had made the decision, before anything had begun, we were praying and reading scripture and considering, God, what are you calling us to? And as we begin to hear clarity on the idea of church planting, as we begin to um, hear God saying yes and now, um, it was this passage that resonated so strongly with me. I found peace and opportunity in it and also challenge. Uh, but the idea that the only way anything kingdom-oriented is produced, the only way good fruit is born, is as we abide in 
or remain in Jesus. He's the vine and we're the branches. And, uh, and so we named the church after that idea with this deep trust that it's only in our ability to walk in the way of Jesus, to abide, to remain in him that we will see good fruit grow. Now, Paul speaks of this maturity and growth in a book um, to the Ephesians as well. Um, he speaks uh, this time kind of in a more communal and church sense uh, instead of in the personal life. What does growth look like in my life? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Each time I come to this passage, I remember that um, in one of the, the, the classes at the university where I got my degree from, um, this passage was required uh, to be memorized, and, and then there was all sorts of conversation and study in this class on this particular passage. As he thought, it laid out a beautiful, challenging, and helpful um, ideal of what the church is and how it operates. It says this, Ephesians 4, verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We'll go on and read more in a minute, but I want to pause there and just look at a couple things. He begins by listing these um, these roles in the church and, and people functioning in different capacities in the church. He mentions apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, in some churches and in, in some movements, um, these five have been highly popular. Uh, popularized as as far as so which of these five are you i don't read this as a comprehensive list except as a very good list and a beautiful thing to consider as how will we equip god's people for service that's of course the purpose he says of all of these five ways of engaging in the church and different people doing different things that people would be equipped so he decided he, de he defines here some of the leadership roles the purpose being that people be equipped for works of service. Now, he'll go on. It's sometimes easy in that conversation then to prioritize these five or certain people because they're the teachers or they're the ones playing these roles. But he he does not describe in this passage a hierarchy or positions of privilege or power or anything like that. Instead, he says these people play the role of serving people in the church that people in the church can serve. Not a hierarchy, but instead this mutual love and service that leads towards, he mentions two words in here that, that I want to highlight, unity in the faith. That, that through these people equipping each other to serve each other and the world will reach unity. And secondly, he mentions becoming mature, attaining to the full measure of Jesus Christ. So he says, in the church, there are these people playing certain roles that equip us to find unity and learn to serve. He goes on in verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. All right, he's mixing his metaphors here. Now he has a boat out in the waves being thrown around um, by the winds. And he says, we won't be that any longer once we've reached this fullness, the, the, the full measure of Jesus Christ. In, in, in verse 15, he says, 
instead of being blown around, around, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Each part is working. He describes the church as the body of Christ. Christ is the head and we the body. And often we're, we're so individualistic in our, in our culture and the ways we see and read things. Often uh, we would read scripture in individual terms. We, but applying to me as a part of the we. Uh, generally, we're much better off reading scripture in the we, corporate, what God is doing in us and for us. And in a passage like this, sometimes it's easy to look specifically at the individual church that you're a part of, or for us to look here at the Vine Church. And there is a good application in that, but it is not the full scope of what he speaks of here. He speaks of a global movement of Jesus followers, where Christ is the head. Just imagine if our little church were responsible for all of the world, for sharing the good news. No, there's churches in every community, in neighborhoods throughout the world, little pockets of Jesus followers with radical influence and power, not power that lords over, but power to do good, power to serve, power to bring about and partner with God in bringing about kingdom things in this world. He has a beautiful vision for this world. In fact, one of the the words that's so central to Scripture and is mentioned here in this text is um, the church grows and builds itself up in love. Love will always be the core of what we do as followers of Jesus. Scripture describes God is love. Jesus taught time and time again, love, you will know my disciples by their love. Love is central to all these conversations. And as we explore today the idea of growth, notice growth uh, both is developed by and produces love. Okay, additionally, uh, he mentions in here, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is ahead, that is Christ. The metaphor he draws on here, we've moved away from the uh, growing plants to uh, human development, right? And he uses metaphor of a human body. Every part has an important role to play in a body. If any given part doesn't function properly, our body is limited. And he describes the church as the body of Christ. That is, we would be the hands and feet engaged in bringing and demonstrating the love of God in this world. We are the body of Christ. And he says we are working towards, the Spirit is working to bring about transformation that we would be loving and engaged in the work of God in our churches and in this world. The goal is always to be like Jesus, individually and communally. The goal is to be like Jesus. And in this text, he describes working together as we become mature, attaining the fullness of Christ, becoming more like him in this world. We are the church. We are the body of Christ in this world. So, Remember, uh, individually and corporately, uh, it, we read a, a few moments ago that God is the one that produces the growth. Uh, so in Galatians chapter 5, 
There's this beautiful passage that you might be familiar with. In verse 22, it speaks of the things that God is growing inside of us, right? The Spirit will produce in us these things. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He describes here in this text, this is what the Spirit is growing in us. I think we have an important question to ask. Am I fertile soil? Am I lending myself to the growth that the Spirit is trying to produce in my life? Or are my daily habits, my rhythms, my ways of thinking, my ways of engaging in this world, do they stand in contrast to the joy or the peace or the kindness that the Holy Spirit is trying to produce in my life? Well, we might not be the ones that produce the spiritual growth in our lives, we can hinder it, in my opinion, as we turn away from the way of God and choose to live out our own rhythms, allow our own pride or our own desires to control our lives. And so we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit, inviting, producing us, grow in us these sorts of things. One of my favorite passages and one of the last things we'll look at today is in Psalm chapter 1. And the first verse speaks the negative. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners or, or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. So he says, uh, you won't find blessing in uh, walking in step with the wicked or uh, sitting in the company of mockers instead. But those who delight, blessed is the one who delights in in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. He speaks here of the law and speaking to an Israelite audience at this point in the book of Psalms. And, and so he's saying your scripture, the, the law that God has given you, what he lined out for you, both religious and civilly, what it looks like to be the people of God in this world. He says, meditate on it day and night. And in verse three, this is where I wanted to get that person that meditates on God's law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. The person who takes in God's word is like a tree planted by streams of water, yielding fruit, a healthy tree, and whatever they do will prosper. So what does it look like to be planted by these streams of water, right? To be in a place in our lives where we are a fertile soil with water nourishing us. Colossians chapter 2 verses 6 through 7 says this, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as, as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up, that is growing, rooted and growing in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. This last week I was in a, um, a spiritual direction session and in my time of sharing and then the, the conversation flowing out of it, uh, this was one of those takeaways. And so it was beautiful later in the week when I was studying and, and found this verse that associates the rooted and growing with overflowing with thankfulness. The takeaway for me that day was to learn to be very thankful. In spite of some of the struggles I might be facing in this moment, in spite of some of the struggles that you might be facing in this moment, a posture of thankfulness. And this again is rooted in our ability to live in Jesus, 
to allow him to build us up, to allow him to strengthen us, and a result will be overflowing of thankfulness. You know, I think the connection between Psalm 1 and Colossians 2 is fascinating here. The first says, uh, a tree planted by streams of water. So what are these streams of water? I think it's fascinating um, to consider that Jesus is the stream of water. In fact, Jesus references himself that, that he's the one who can offer living water. So what does it look like for us to be a fertile soil, to live in a way that invites spiritual growth in our lives? We live in Jesus. We reside in him and we receive from him living water. Water that when we receive, we won't thirst again, right? He's speaking to a Samaritan woman about what he offers in this life. So I ask again this question. What are you growing into? We're all continually changing or growing in some respects. We are becoming the people and the circumstances we surround ourselves by. And the question and what I hope we're, we're convicted of t- today is, am I choosing to live my life in a way that invites the spiritual growth that the Spirit is trying to do in our lives on a daily basis? What am I growing into? What am I choosing? What rhythms are playing out in my lives that are affecting me in one way or another? And are they rhythms that are going to bring spiritual growth in my life? I'm going to list just a couple of places that you might go if you want to go a little bit deeper in this journey. Uh, This is far from a comprehensive list, and we'd love to talk with you and pray with you as we consider what does the next step in my faith journey looks like? What, What is the growth that the Spirit is trying to bring about in my life? Uh, scripture is a great place to go, of course. Uh, so read, uh, particularly uh, live into and dream about the Gospels, the story of Jesus and the way he lived in this world. Throughout Scripture, you will find rich direction for life, of course. Maybe choose a practice like Lectio Divina. If that's not familiar, you can look that up and see what that it is. That is, but it's um, kind of a uh, meditative way of reading scripture. It's um, slow and it's steady and it's listening as we read. Uh, similarly, when praying, consider some other modes of prayer. Um, the examine is a type of prayer for the evening that you might look up and consider centering prayer. In fact, this week, Sarah is teaching a class on centering prayer uh, before service at 9 a.m. Um, centering prayers is, again, b- beautiful, still, meditative, silent space in which we listen to the Spirit and engage Uh, There's incredible books out there, just a few that I've read in the last few weeks. Um, I am reading right now uh, The Life We're Looking For by Andy Crouch. I read recently The Survival Guide for the Soul by Ken Shugamatsu. Um, The Gift of Being Yourself by David Benner. I read and I'm I'm about to reread that one. Um, And one of my favorites. Uh, The Life of the Beloved by Henry Nouwen is very formative in how we uh, perceive ourselves in this world and in the life of God and and perceive our growth and spiritual journey uh, born of a God who loves us deeply. There's a few options. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in scripture. Pick up a good book and sit and read. Spend time in stillness. Listen to the voice of the Spirit. When things contrary to the gifts of the Spirit arise in life, when anger or fear start to take over, 
we are invited to lean back into a God who is continuing to do a transformational work in our lives. So often we think of salvation or transformation as a one-time act in our lives, but the very idea of the growing metaphors that we read throughout Scripture says something far to the contrary, that we are a work in process. God is producing good fruit in us as we remain in Him and as we trust the Spirit to do its work in us. Well, friends, with that, let's pray. God, we thank you for this day and this time, uh, an opportunity to uh, dig into scripture, to hear from you. Uh, God, may we be people um, intent on growing in our spiritual walks. God, please help us not to be stagnant or lukewarm or still in our faith, but to be growing. Spirit, we know you produce growth, and so we invite you to work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, thanks for joining me here today. Can't wait to see you again soon. Have a great week.